Hey everybody, what's going on? This is Zach Wild from Black Level Society, and we're all doing a hang with Iron City Rocks. Hey guys, this is Kenny Dubbin, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Welcome to episode 317 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, Sean, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. This episode, we are joined by guitarist Kenny Dubman. Kenny made a name for himself in the early 90s with a band called Prophet, and he has recently released his solo debut album called Reckless Abandon. If you're a fan of blues-based rock and roll with Southern Flair, this album's definitely for you. Before we get to that interview, though, here's a track from the album. This is called Ain't Too Late for Memphis.
everyone what's up on the phone with me i've got guitarist kenny dubman how you doing today kenny hey what's up sean uh thanks for taking time to join us uh you got a lot of exciting things going on uh you just released uh at least your uh, i guess this is your first solo album yeah and my very first one uh you know i i haven't been involved in making original music in a long time man so it's kind of like a re-entry back into the uh into the realm here, so I'm pretty psyched up about it. Yeah, I imagine a lot has changed since uh, your days with Prophet. Um, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about kind of how this album came to be. Let's start like you know before you know, back in the '80s, '90s, you were in a band, uh, you know the typical '80s metal pop band Prophet. Um, can you talk a little bit about those days and how it compares to today? Well, those days, I, I always kind of felt that, uh, you know, Prophet came out 10 years too late because we had a lot of influences, you know, we had progressive rock influences too mixed right. in there. You know, we had Kansas and Journey and a little bit of Rush all mixed in and, you know, we're like a, a progressive hard rock band and we were trying to make it in the era of hair metal with mm -hmm. the Rats and the Motley Crues and the Dawkins and, you know those kind of bands, and I just think a lot of people thought we weren't heavy enough and we got lost in the shuffle. I think if we had come out uh, in the 70s, we would have had a, a bigger appeal, but that's just my opinion. Mm -hmm. I feel like we were 10 years too late. But, you know, back then, there was still that was still the days of record labels and managers and, you know, making MTV. deals and percentage points and all that kind of crap. But this time around, <laughs> I just said, hey, I'm going to make an album, and I went and did it. Right. No label, no manager. Paid for it myself, produced it myself, called in whoever I wanted to play on it. Mm -hmm. um, had a good friend of mine do all the, we did all the artwork and everything together, and we just did it. Bam. Done. No involvement from any other outside parties, and that's, that's the biggest difference. And, you know, a lot of bands, even, you know, bands that have been established for some time seem to be finding, like, you know, screw this, we don't need a label anymore. Um, do you think, you know, in the music industry, I guess, has always been kind of slow to change. Um you know, with the whole MP3s and downloading and whatnot, but um, mm -hmm. do you think it's easier now than it was before? Well, yeah, I think it's on one hand, it's a lot easier uh, because you can just do everything yourself and, you know, not have to bend to the will of your label or your manager. You can actually be what you really are. Mm -hmm. um, problem is, there's 10 gazillion people all doing that simultaneously. And so, you know, when you put a record out now, you're like a grain of sand on the beach, right. you know, and it's, you just have to, 
get into the grind and just promote yourself and, you know, see if you can get a good, I got a great publicist, you know, who's helped me out now, Tom George, who's the guy that connected me with you. That's been enormously huge. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, everybody's just out there. And apparently nobody buys music anymore. Uh, <laughs> so the way bands are getting known is by going on tour and staying right. on tour. Right. And, that and actually, that's where they make their money through, um, you know, touring and, and merchandise. And, you know, a lot of people don't even sell their records anymore. They make a record and they put it online for mm-hmm. free. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you guys, you know, you've got lots of online distribution now as comp- compared to, you know, the physical media. Um, but it's missing something i think sometimes you know i always like the smell of the the artwork and you know just holding it i agree i would i would always like i i still buy music if i hear a band i like i go on their website and i buy their cd because i have a cd player in my car and that's when i listen to music otherwise i have no time to do it you know what i mean it's on those drives you pop it in you crank it up and that's where you really get to absorb your music Mm -hmm. but back to what you're saying before whether it's it's easier or more difficult these days it's easier to make your product and put it out, but it's way more difficult to be found right. by fans. Right. Because back in the day when you got a record deal, you, you know, more than likely if your record company invested a certain amount of money into your band, they're going to promote you and pay to promote you. So you're going to get the radio play, you're going to get the ads and all that kind of stuff. And people say, wow, I like that band. But now, I mean, there's, there's really, there's no radio play for me. Mm-hmm. Um, just everything is just through self-promotion. Right, right, and uh, that in that respect, it's more difficult to to reach your target audience. Cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's 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 exactly, you know, with social media and everything. There's so much out there. It's just finding the good stuff and finding and getting it noticed. Uh, by yep, it's it's completely completely oversaturated with bands and musicians, people making music, and it, in a way, it's cool. But like I said, I'm back back to the you know grain of sand on the beach now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, anyone who puts a record out, you're just one of the thousands and thousands of other artists that are out there, all competing for listeners. Right. So yeah, it's you know, whatever, man. I don't I don't worry <laughs> about the negatives. You know, I'm pretty I'm psyched to put a new record out. It's getting a lot of positive feedback, yeah. a lot of feedback. Um, and uh, so I'm just, I'm going to ride it for whatever it's worth. Definitely, definitely. Now, let's and, talk about, and not sweat it. <laughs> well, let's talk about the album. The album's called Reckless Abandon. Um, Tom sent it over. I had a chance to listen to it. It's a, it's a great album. Uh, songs are catchy. It's memorable. Um, I think Wolf at the Door is, is my favorite song off the album right now. Um, awesome. Yeah, it's, it's one of my faves, too. Um, can you talk about, you know, like you mentioned, you've been out of it for a while. How long was this album in the making? Really not that long. Um, to, to try to encapsulate the genesis of this record uh, without getting into great detail, I went through uh, a long, tough period in my personal life. And when I finally got through it and, you know, just took about a year and then maybe 14 months Later, I just started out of the blue when I was feeling really good again and started getting song ideas. Mm-hmm. And at first, you know, I didn't think of anything of it. And uh, they just kept coming. I said, maybe I better start putting these down because I kind of like these tunes. And after three or so, I started to take the idea of making a record seriously. And I really knuckled down and I'd get an idea and I'd run with it and write and write and write. And it probably took me, I don't know, not even six months to write these songs on this record, plus a whole bunch of other ones that'll be on the next record. Right. 
And, uh, yeah, that's basically once my head got clear and my life got good again, Mm -hmm. um, that's when the creativity and the urge to create came back. Right. Now, you mentioned you got other songs. Once all the static was cleared, and there was static for a long time. Right, right. Now, you mentioned uh, other songs. Did you, you, I mean, you have enough for a couple albums from, like, your initial writing session, or? Um, The initial writing session, I started recording this record, and and I kept writing. Now I have... Uh, songs in excess of what I'll need for the second record, and I'm just gonna. Basically, I never, I don't just, I don't ever sit down and say, okay, it's time to write. Um, okay. Writing doesn't happen like that for me. Um, you have to be struck with an idea. So a lot of times, just picking up the guitar is a catalyst for that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes an idea comes, and sometimes it doesn't. I never try to force it right. because these. I feel like these ideas are not coming from within. I feel like I'm just a. I'm just um, a conduit for ideas coming from somewhere else. And I've heard other people say the same thing. When you get struck with an idea that that ends up being a keeper, it's almost like not an out of body experience, but your, your hands are off the wheel, so to speak. It's not, Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like you're working on it. It just comes out. And uh, that's the way I write. Right. Right. I I never pick up and say, okay, I got to write a song today. Cause it just doesn't, that doesn't happen that way for me anyway. Um, and you're doing all the vocals and stuff too, right? That I am. Cool, cool, cool. So love it or hate it, <laughs> singing on every song. It's, it sounds good. I mean, this album to me, it's like you know one of those uh, albums. It's a perfect summer album. You know, it's kind of like I want to listen, crack this up, be outside, drink some beers, and 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 it's that's the kind of vibe I get from this album. I'm not sure if that was kind of what you were going for, but it, so what what happens in the fall and the winter? You just put it away and don't listen to it. No, no, no. no. I'm just kidding, man. Um, <laughs> no, it was. I, I totally know what you're talking about. About like it's it's just a rocking album. It's the kind you want to put the top down in your convertible and just drive 90 miles an hour. Um, but no, it wasn't like that. When I sit in this little room that I'm sitting in right now and write tunes, it was I didn't have like a. There was no feeling about what I was doing. It was just like I said. It was just channeling. I I, I wrote it down and videoed songs on my iPhone and that's how I, you know, chronicled them. Right. I like to say I was out, you know, on my bike, you know, with the wind blowing through my hair and I got this song idea, but that's not the way it happened. They would just happen randomly around my house. Right, right. Well, I mean, you, the ideas are going to come wherever they come, and you can't, you can't help that. Um, and the nice thing too is, like, you know, with the way devices and stuff are, whenever an idea strikes you, it's very easy to, to lay it down. Um, did you record this at home, or did you go into a, a, a studio? I uh, recorded it in a studio about half hour from my house called Sound Spa. Okay. Um, a good friend of mine, Steve Diacutis, who's uh, a, an amazing engineer producer, musician, guitar player. He's just a really, really musical dude. And we've known each other since I was 15 and he was 16. Mm -hmm. And I've worked with him quite a bit in the past. And when I decided it was, you know, time to record these songs, there was never, I never considered doing it with anybody other than Steve. Because he's just just so good and he's a really funny guy. He's dementedly funny. So (laughs) the sessions are hysterical. But he's a really talented cat and you could hear it. You know, mm-hmm. when you put, when you pop the CD and it just bolts, explodes out of the speakers and that's all Steve, man. I don't, I don't take any credit for that. Right. 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 Now, um, for you, you know, 
I, I mentioned Wolf at the Door is one of my favorite songs. Um, have, have you been able to play these songs out live yet and, and, and get, you know, get them in front of the crowd? Um, I've played them. I played a few of them out as an acoustic duo okay. with uh, my buddy Richie. Um, just because I'm getting these calls like, hey, you want to you want to get on this bill and open a show? Mm-hmm. Um, I have a, an electric band lined up, but we haven't started rehearsing or anything yet. It's just it's just going to be a mammoth undertaking to do that. I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's not like we're a bunch of 20 year old kids with exactly. nothing going on. You know, mm-hmm. right, we're talking right. about adults with kids and jobs and, right. you know, limited time. And it's it's going to be a real I'm looking forward to playing out. I can't wait to play this stuff out electrically, but I'm not looking forward to the whole process of gathering all my, it's going to be like, right. Right. It's be right. Like chasing a bunch of mice running around, <laughs> you know, like gather, getting all these people in one room for one rehearsal is going to be, you know, big undertaking, but it's got to be done. So, right. 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 I'm going to do it. But for now I'm, I'm doing little shows here and there just as an acoustic duo. And it's been going over pretty big, believe it or not, like uh, to get on an electric bill and sit up there with two guys on an acoustics and put the music over mm-hmm. and have people react, you know, it's, you got to hit it pretty hard, but it's uh-huh. working so far. Cool. Cool. Now you you had mentioned even earlier uh, in our conversation about, you know, bands now seem to go out yet. You have to tour constantly and tour constantly. And I remember, you know, growing up, you know, it, it seemed to me like, you know, the bands would put the album out, do the tour to support the album, take a couple of years off to write the next one, then do a tour to support that album. But now it seems that uh, it's the other way around. We got to do the tour and then we got to make an album so we have a reason to stay out on the road. Um, and you kind of touched that, you know, it's in the works. Do you, and do you feel that's kind of accurate the way things are now? Yeah, well, tour now is means something, you know, quite a bit different than back when I was coming up. Right. A tour, to get a tour, I mean, it, you didn't just book your own tour mm-hmm. into whatever little, you know, hole in the wall you get yourself into. And that's, that's tour for most people these days that are not a big drawing act, mm-hmm. you know. You, go, you get in your van, you drive to, you know, little club to whatever, and you just play wherever you can. But back in the day, it was like a tour for an up-and-coming band meant getting an opening act slot right. with, a, with a headliner, with a bigger band, or, or, or maybe you were third on the bill. So, you know, touring, again, is a, is a self-generated little situation, and, and you could be playing anywhere. You could be playing VFWs and, and Moose mm-hmm. Lodges. Right. You know, that's considered being on tour. As long as you're out on the road playing your music, you could be playing it to 10 people a night or, you know, 2,000, depending on who you are. Right. But yeah, it's all about, you know, like I said before, uh, allegedly no one is making money through uh, sale of music. Mm-hmm. So you got to get out there on the road and do it and sell your merchandise. Merchandise right. is also big. Right. Now, what, what are your thoughts on the whole streaming thing? That's kind of because a lot of artists are really kind of upset about the Spotify's and the Apple Music and whatever's out there now. Well, I can't say that I really know much about it. I okay. mean, if you choose not to be on that, you don't have to be on it. Like right. I'm not, on, I'm not on any streaming sites mm-hmm. and I just, you know what? I, I didn't, I don't want to come off the wrong way, but I didn't go through all this trouble and expense to make a record to just give it away. Right. Right. You right, know what I mean? Right. 
It's not, I'm not doing that. <laughs> so you know what, if you dig it enough to want to buy it, great. But if not, that's great too. You know, you don't have to. Right. The right. choice is up to the consumer. And I just, I don't feel like I need to be on a streaming site to mm-hmm. get myself out there, so to speak. Right. Because, you know, I just don't feel the need to do it. And I'm not, I'm not going through all this to, to just hand it away. It's right. too much work. Right. <laughs> and that's kind of the way I feel about it. Oh, and I, I agree. Exactly. I, it's, uh, Definitely. I mean, it's, it's a piece of you. You want to put it out there and, you know, it's people, uh, you know, serve to be paid for all your hard work and your effort and, and, and whatnot. Yeah, and you know what? If if I'm not going to get paid for it, that's okay, too. But I'm not – I hate right. to use this term, but I'm not whoring myself out. Right, right, right. You know, right. Uh, when, at this stage of the game, making music. I'm putting it out there, and if people want to buy it, that's great. And if not – that's great too. I'm really doing it. I'm doing this because I need to do it for me. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, the yeah. songs are coming out and I'm putting them out there and there's going to be people that are going to find it. Right. Is there any plans to do any type of music videos or anything? I would love to do it. Um, we just got um, Ain't Too Late for Memphis, which is the lead-off track, mm-hmm. up onto YouTube. It's not right. a video, but I guess more and more people are doing it. Just putting a song up with, like, the album artwork in the background. Yeah, yeah. So we got that out there now, and I, I have ideas for a video that I like to get, you know, mm-hmm. a couple of my well-known friends involved in. <laughs> and I don't know if I can get them to do it or not, but I got some ideas that are hysterically funny. Right, right. So, yeah. The, the desire is there. It's just whether I can get the commitments and you know raise the raise the dough. I don't even know what it costs to make a video these days. Yeah, it's it's. I, I'm sure it's not as much as it used to be because you know the technology. Yeah, I'm probably, you could probably get one done for a few grand. I would say. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Technology has come a long way since then. Um, now, Ain't Too Late for Memphis is the uh, first single, I guess, the lead off track. Um, is there a reason why that song stood out as the lead off track for you? It's, you know, to me, like once we mix it, you can never really tell what's mm-hmm. going to be until you're done mixing. Right. And when that one got done, it just, when it kicks in, it, it just really hits me, hit me like a sledgehammer. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that chorus was the catchiest. Um, I'd play this stuff for people before it was released. And that song would always like grab people, you know, that weren't musicians, just, you know, regular fans. They They would love that chorus. So that was the indicator to me that that had to be the the first foot I put forward, you know, right. first single as well as the lead off track. It just it just it seems to grab people. Cool. Yeah, yeah, it's a great song. Like I said it's it's the album's very catchy. It's it, it's 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 it sticks with you, and it's 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 a very uh, great song to lead off. Um, now, going back a little bit through your history, you know, you've been playing for a while. What uh, who are your influences and how did you get started playing? Um, started playing, I picked, first picked up the guitar at nine years old because my mom, who's a hippie, still is, <laughs> loves music, loves rock. She would play Hendrix Records, Santana Records right. around the house, most notably those two. And I heard that sound and I said, damn, that is just, it just struck me to the core. And I said, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, two, two and a half years of guitar lessons later, and I still wasn't getting it because I wasn't with teachers that were showing me how to play rock guitar. Completely different from a traditional guy teaching you how to read, play Mary Had a Little Lamb, learn Mm -hmm. your chords, learn your theory. That's one end of the spectrum. The other end is, wow, how do I play that Jimmy Page lick? It's mind-blowing. 
eventually that clicked mm-hmm. and it clicked because of Kiss Alive okay. that came out in, I guess, 75. Um, Ace Freely was playing all those licks that Jimmy Page and everybody else was doing, but he was doing them slowly enough for a, you know, a little kid to figure out. Mm-hmm. So Kiss Alive unlocked for me and for a lot of other guitar players of my era. Right. Um, it, it was like all of a sudden you were handed the key to know where your fingers went to make those certain sounds. And from there, it was just, man, other albums, uh, influences when I was that age, Johnny Winter was huge. Mm-hmm. Mick, uh, Mick Taylor from the stones was huge. I had get your yaya's out and right. his playing on that record is just absolutely unreal. Um, Rick Derringer, Michael Schenker from UFO, right? Neil Sean on the first three Journey albums before Steve Perry joined the band. Those three albums were enormously influential to me. Um, Neil Sean probably had more of uh, a hand in shaping my guitar playing than any other guitar player. Okay. And yeah. those, those were, uh, oh, of course, David Gilmore on uh, uh, Dark Side of the Moon, right. uh, Wish You Were Here, huge influence. Th- those were like, the people I mentioned just there were really the, the, the basis of my influence. And then of course, from there, add on all the eighties guys, right. Eddie Van Halen, uh, Randy Rhodes, but you know, I could already play by then, but the, right. the, the first batch were, those were the guys that I actually learned from. Right. Well, um, in, in your mind as a, as a player too, I mean, is there any players nowadays that kind of influence you and, in, and in, cause you know, you never really kind of stop learning. Yeah, oh, absolutely. There's a lot of guys that, that I love. Um, Warren Haynes mm-hmm. is unbelievable. He's been like one of my favorites for 20 years now. Right. Um, there's a guy that just came out. Um, I'm going to think of his name. Uh, it escapes me right now. Uh, so you got Warren. Uh, I love Derek Trucks. See, uh, like my musical taste these days is leaning a little bit more to the Southern jam mm-hmm. band. Right, right. Guys. Uh, Marcus King is that guy's name. He's a okay. 22-year-old kid from South Carolina, and he's a terrifying guitar player. Just absolutely unreal. I love Kenny Wayne Shepherd. I've seen oh, him yeah. a whole bunch of times. He's ferocious live. I don't know if you've ever seen him. Oh, yeah, definitely I have, yes. He is unreal. He just steps out on the stage, and just, just oh. his presence and his sound just blow you away. He's fantastic. Yeah. Um, musically, I haven't talked to anybody about this yet openly, but... I'm a Blackberry Smoke addict. Mm-hmm. They're my absolute favorite band right now because I think the songs they write are absolutely unbelievable. The songwriting is just incredible. Lyrics, music, everything. And their Whippoorwill album, which came out in 2012, I discovered that online, like right after I had gone through my, uh, my dark period. Mm-hmm. And I listened to it literally every day while I worked for over a year, sometimes twice a day. And it occurred to me at one point, if there's guys out there making music like this right now, right. that I have to get off my ass and, <laughs> and start and do something. You know, that was before the ideas started coming, but that, that's where it clicked in my head that maybe I shouldn't just be, you know, pissing, the ra- pissing away the rest of my life and, and not doing anything with music. Right. So that album was the catalyst for me getting off my ass. So, yeah, I love that band. Cool. Yeah, I mean, they're a great band. I've listen to them a few times um and it sounds like i mean you've got a lot of 
great influences and you know and, and i guess you've influenced others zach wild has said that you've been a, a big influence on him in several interviews that i've read um how's how's that feel like you know being able to influence other players like that it's oh it's very humbling and always mind-blowing when i hear it because <laughs> i can't right. ever imagine myself like being someone else's influence because i'm always you know, I'm always the guys that being influenced in my own head. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm going to check out these guys and little, it's never occurring to me that I might be influencing others, but that's it completely and utterly awesome and humbling right. Right. to right. hear that. Yeah. Zach is a, is a really good dude, man. I knew him, you know, long before him joining Ozzy, you know, right. he, he played in a band called Zyrus mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it for him to, you know, still, to have dropped my name in interviews for going on 30 years now, yeah. never stopped. I still hear him do it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, when we released this record, he really stepped up, you know, put it out there on Facebook, Twitter, the whole bit. All I did was ask. And he mm-hmm. just said, of course. And he did it. Uh, well, I mean, Which is pretty awesome. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. You know, because the guy is arguably one of the, you know, biggest rock guitar players in the, in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's he's out there. He's a great player, and it's you know, like you said, it has to be humbling for you to to, to hear that a lot. And uh, I mean, deservedly, the album needs to get out there because it is a great album. So it's great that he's helping uh, push it as well. Yeah, it's it's literally just his help has been priceless. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, have a guy uh, like that get up get up on his soapbox <laughs> and talk about his little buddy's record that just came out is just. <laughs> I just shake my head in disbelief, right. you know, it's like, it's unreal. I can't even really put it into words, but yeah, I'm going to see him in a couple of weeks. He's playing in Jersey. I can't wait to go hang out with him. Yeah. He's going to be here uh, in a, at the end of, uh, actually on the first, he's going to be here in Pittsburgh with, uh, opening for clutch with his, uh, Zach Sabbath band. Yeah. That's the, he's playing here with that band too in a couple of weeks. So We'll see him with that. Cool, cool. Well, uh, Kenny, I want to thank you for taking the time to talk to us again. The album's called Reckless Abandoned. I highly recommend uh, our listeners pick it up because I've enjoyed listening to it. It's a, it's a great album. Sean, thank you so much for having me, man. I really, really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully, you know, I'll pass through Pittsburgh in not too distant future and we can uh, meet and have a beer. Definitely, definitely. would love to uh, love to meet up, love to see you live because, uh, like I said, this album's great. Thank you so much, and I'm I'm doing everything in my power to make the the live stuff happen. Cool, cool. Well, we'll be looking for you. All right, bud. Talk to you soon. All right, thanks. I let you in because I was weak. You saw that and you stayed inside your disguise. You played it cool and covered your teeth And shaded those yellow eyes with blue I took you in to give you some shelter From the big bad world that damaged your soul I live with an illusion of peace But it was only act one of a terrible dream And I would not awaken for years Realizing my fears I had let in the wolf at the door 
Okay, I'd like to thank Kenny for taking the time to join us. That track coming out of the interview is called Wolf of the Door, and it's probably my favorite song off the album. Again, the album's called Reckless Abandon. If you get a chance, definitely check it out. It's available now. That about wraps up this episode. I'd like to thank you for tuning in. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to drop us a line at ironcityrocks at gmail.com. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash ironcityrocks. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash ironcityrocks. Check out our Instagram at instagram.com forward slash ironcityrocks. And of course, check out our main website, ironcityrocks.com. Till next time, thanks for listening. Thank you.